Faith Lutheran Church in Shelton, Washington, a congregation of the Evangelical Lutheran Church in America. You can learn more about faith at the website www.faithshelton.org. This is uh, my message for the second Sunday in Advent. I actually preached it yesterday morning. Thank you so much for listening tonight, or this afternoon, or this morning, or whenever you're listening to it. Uh, Today's message for the second Sunday in Advent, Bearing Fruit, Burning Chaff. Thanks for listening. You've, You've heard of John the Baptist before. Prepare ye the way of the Lord. In today's Bible reading from Matthew chapter 3, we read about that rock star preacher with the long hair and the cool clothes and the trendy diet and outdoor venue standing room only. John the Baptist is a pivotal character in the Bible story and one whose example and message we consider every year around this time, at least those of us who do the whole Advent and church calendar thing. We listen to John the Baptist who reminds us to get ready. Get ready for Christmas. Get ready for the coming Christ to come into our hearts and to come into our world. Today's message reminds us that the coming of the kingdom of God is good news for everyone. That the Holy Spirit gathers and unites us in the waters of baptism. And that John the Baptist issues the challenge for each of us to both bear good fruit and burn the chaff. Let's unpack all that as we open our Bibles to Matthew chapter 3, beginning at verse 1. Matthew chapter 3, verses 1 through 12. In those days, John the Baptist came, preaching in the wilderness of Judea, and saying, Repent, for the kingdom of heaven has come near. This is he who is uh, spoken of through the prophet Isaiah, a voice of one calling in the wilderness, Prepare the way of the Lord. Make straight paths for him. Now John's clothes were made of camel's hair. He had a leather belt around his waist. His food was locusts and wild honey. People went out to him from Jerusalem and all Judea and the whole region of the Jordan. Confessing their sins, they were baptized by him in the river Jordan. But when, many, uh, when he saw many of the Pharisees and Sadducees coming to where he was baptizing, He said to them, You brood of vipers, who warned you to flee from the coming wrath? Produce fruit in keeping with repentance. And don't think you can say to yourselves, We have Abraham as our father. I tell you that out of these stones, God can raise up children for Abraham. The axe is already at the root of the trees, and every tree that does not produce good fruit will be cut down and thrown into the fire. I baptize you with water for repentance. But after me comes one who is more powerful than I, whose sandals I am not worthy to carry. He will baptize you with the Holy Spirit and fire. His winnowing fork is in his hand, and he will clear his threshing floor, gathering his wheat into the barn and burning up the chaff with unquenchable fire. This is the word of the Lord. Sisters and brothers in Christ, grace to you and peace from God our Father and the Lord Jesus Christ. Amen. Well, let's start with the rock star himself, John the Baptist. We know from other parts of the Bible that John is Jesus' cousin, about six months older. His dad is Zechariah, a priest, which makes John the Baptist a pastor's kid. I can relate to that. So Matthew also tells us that he wears a camel hair shirt. 
And I think that's mostly meant to connect him to an Old Testament prophet named Elijah. See, Elijah was maybe the most, uh, one of the more famous Old Testament prophets, most famous for uh, an event that happens in 1 Kings chapter 19, the showdown on Mount Carmel, where, where Elijah is, is uh, up against 400 priests of Baal. And the message that Elijah brings to the people is to tell them to get off the fence when it comes to faith. Look, he says, either trust Yahweh God or don't. That kind of message, that call of, uh, to the people of God to, to, to claim their faith uh, is something that I think resonates throughout the Old Testament so that Malachi, one of the last prophets, his book is the last book in the Old Testament, the very last verses of Malachi claims that it's going to be a preacher like Elijah, a second coming of Elijah, whom God will send to get the people ready for the coming Messiah, for the, for the root of Jesse. Jesse was David, King David's dad, so the root of Jesse would be a descendant of King David, someone in the line of David, a new Messiah. John the Baptist, we also hear about his diet. He eats locusts and honey. Now, yesterday I was told, after I preached this, that it wasn't probably the bugs locusts, but that he ate pods from the locust tree. Um, but the message is the same. He lived off the land. He lived off the grid, which means he's probably being associated with a particular Jewish religious denomination back in the day known as the Essenes. See, back in, in, in John's day, there were uh, three main branches of the Jewish faith. There were the Sadducees, they were the most secular of the three, uh, the most urban, educated, wealthy. Very pragmatic. The Sadducees had done their best to work with the Roman Empire just to make sure that there would even be a Jewish nation, that there would even be a temple in Jerusalem. Now, their critics would call them collaborators, sellouts to the Roman Empire. And then there's the Pharisees. Maybe you've heard of those. Um, They embraced the otherness of being Jewish. For them, they, they clung to the culture Uh, of being Jewish, especially the purity practices, right doctrine, right actions, doing it well, holding the the communities together. Now, their critics would call them sanctimonious, holier-than-thou, (laughs) self-righteous, fill in the blanks. And then there were the Essenes. The Essenes wanted nothing to do with Rome or Jerusalem, the Pharisees or the Sadducees. It was all corrupt. They rejected the materialism of Rome and the hypocrisy of Jerusalem, and they moved out into the wilderness to live off the grid and to live off the land. Their critics would call them bug-eating hippies. Now, one of the the tricks that, that John picked up from the Essenes was this practice of water baptism. A ceremonial washing, a way to, for, for it, followers, adherents to, to wash the grime of the Roman Empire off, to wash away, to cleanse themselves of the hypocrisy of Jerusalem. Water baptism was a rebirth. It, it symbolizes rededication, death to an old way of life, and rebirth into a new, more pure following of God in the wilderness. 
So you have John, who is the pastor's kid, the, the priest's kid. So he'd know the Sadducees from the, the temple in Jerusalem. He knew the Pharisees from the small town that he grew up in. And he knows the Essenes too. And here you've got folks from Jerusalem and the countryside and the cities of Galilee all coming together, being drawn to John the Baptist to hear his message, to hear him announcing the coming of the kingdom of God. The kingdom of God is nigh. It's at hand. It's close enough to touch. You can taste it. It's right here. And this is good news. This is hopeful news. It's good news for people who are under Roman tyranny. It's good news for people who are under extreme poverty. It's good news back then. It's good news today. The promise of God's Messiah, the one who will come and make things the way they're supposed to be. This is a vision, this is a hope that, that, that the prophet Isaiah articulated 700 years before John the Baptist. It's that language, that, that piece of biblical proportions. Uh, the wolf will live with the lamb, Isaiah chapter 11. The leopard will lie down with the goat, the calf and the lion and the yearling together. A little child will lead them. The cow will feed with the bear. The young will lie down together. The lion will eat straw like the ox. The infant will play near the cobra's den. They will, uh, and the young child will put his, its hand into the viper's nest. They'll neither harm nor destroy on all my holy mountain, for all the earth will be filled with the knowledge of the Lord as the waters cover the sea. Do you hear that, that universal, that global uh, vision of peace and safety, reconciliation of the nations? In the animal kingdom, even prey and predators manage to work out some kind of an arrangement. And by extension, this vision includes the ceasing of war between factions in the world, Romans and Jews, Pharisees and Sadducees, heck, even Lutherans and Baptists. Advent, John's message, it's good news. The kingdom of God is near. It's, it's here in our midst and it's coming soon. We're living in this now, not yet reality. And that's what it means to live by faith. We know that God's intention of manna and mercy, this sheer undeserved gift of life, is promised for us, not because we deserve it, because, but because of who God is. And that's the announcement that, that John the Baptist gives that, that draws the people to him. Um, the second thing, a little pause there as I find my notes. The second thing that, that we see in this story of John the Baptist is how, how these groups all kind of come together. It's in the announcement of the hope of the good news that the Holy Spirit begins the work. It begins the work of uniting all the people, of bringing all the people together from the cities and from the countryside, from Rome and from Jerusalem, all together in one place. And it's, and it's, and it's located around the waters of baptism. The Holy Spirit calls, gathers, enlightens, and sanctifies the people. That same passage from Isaiah chapter 11 uh, talks about the Holy Spirit of God, the Spirit of Yahweh, the Spirit of, of wisdom and understanding, the Spirit of counsel and might, the Spirit of knowledge and fear of the Lord. 
See, in the Christian tradition, that, that practice of water baptism that John took from the Essenes, we've, we've made as a, as a fundamental sacrament, uh, a symbol in the Christian church, understanding that it's the Holy Spirit that in the waters of baptism make us one. We're all washed. <laughs> We're all in an even playing field in God's eyes. There's no distinction as it says in Ephesians chapter 4, uh, there's one body and one spirit, just as you were called to one hope when you were called. One Lord, one faith, one baptism. The God and Father of us all, who is over all and through all and in all. John the Baptist is an announcing of the kingdom of God, and that's a good thing. The announcement of the kingdom of God uh, begins to usher in and bring about the unity uh, created by the Holy Spirit in the waters of baptism. So we're doing real good here. And then in verse 7, it says that John recognizes some in the crowd as Sadducees and Pharisees, and he greets them by calling them a brood of vipers. Now, as a pastor, I'm supposed to be able to give some kind of redeemable explanation, but <laughs> to be honest, I got nothing. <laughs> At best, maybe John recognized these old friends, old classmates, and it's a, it's a greeting like a term of endearment to some old college buddies. Hey there, you old son of a gun. Hey, you brood of vipers, how you doing? That's a reach. Maybe he's just being rude. But in the heart of this announcement of the kingdom of God and in the certainty of the unity of the Holy Spirit, John calls for repentance. He calls on his colleagues, that brood of vipers, and you and me today, two things. Bear fruit worthy of repentance and burn the chaff. It's two sides of the same coin. Filled with the Holy Spirit in the waters of baptism, we are, we are gifted and called and compelled even to, to express the fruits of the Spirit, fruits in keeping with repentance. The Spirit's fruits are love and joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, gentleness, self-control. It's alignment with that kingdom of God that's being ushered in. So it's all about peacemaking. It's about reconciliation. It's about dogs and cats living together, making our actions align with God's priorities and vision. That's what fruit in keeping with repentance is all about. So then there's the other side of it. That means we've got to do some house cleaning. It means we need to get rid of some of the old baggage and behaviors, things that don't align with God's purposes, or in many cases have simply outgrown or outlived their purpose. The axe is at the root of the tree, he tells them. Trees in your garden that used to bear good fruit that are now overgrown, diseased, or rotting. Not bad trees, they're just past their prime. Consider what is dead wood in your lives, John says. Prune it, cut it down, stack it, and use it for firewood. Then he doubles down with a similar metaphor. Burn the chaff, he says. I don't know a whole lot about agriculture, but, but I know that, that the chaff is the old husks and stalks. They were once vital for the growth of the wheat. But now once you take the kernel of wheat out, what's left, what's dried up and useless now, is the chaff. 
In fact, the more fruitful your life has been, the more that God is working in your life, the more kernels of wheat that you've accumulated, it also means the more chaff you've accumulated. So chaff is actually a sign of a healthy, well-lived life. But the time comes when at least every once in a while you just need to sweep out the barn. you got to clear out that chaff and burn it or it gets in the way. Now, he's not saying anything here about bad people burning in hell. Don't try to dumb down or spiritualize what he's saying. Don't use this passage to justify condemning those people to hell. What John the Baptist is saying is, is the reality of our lives, that there's, there's two, two sides of it, that to ready our hearts and to, to do the work of the Holy Spirit in our lives also means that we have to clean house. We've got to sweep out the barn. Uh, he, if the waters of baptism unite us, then he says the one who will come after him will bring a, a, spirit, uh, a baptism of spirit and fire. It's that baptism of spirit that, e- spirit that equips and unites and blesses and heals. And the baptism of fire cleans the house and burns the chaff. Think about it this way. Uh, how many of you uh, have ever used a typewriter? How many of you still use a typewriter? Probably not. I mean, it was a great tool, impressive technology back in the day, but we don't use typewriters anymore. I use a laptop. I print on a wireless printer. I upload this recording to a podcast. I live stream on Facebook using Mevo and a tablet. We didn't even know these, these things didn't exist 20 years ago, 10 years ago. And for that matter, 5, 10, 20 years from now, these technologies will be as antiquated as that old electric typewriter or overhead projector or Polaroid camera. And lots of things are that way. That's why the axe is at the root of the tree. What worked 30 years ago in your life, in your business, in your, <laughs> in your restaurant, in your church, what worked 30 years ago is out of date today. What mattered back then doesn't matter so much now. And those of us who, who practice this discipline of Advent, we remind ourselves every year to repent, to take a hard look at our spiritual house, to consider what, the, what are the electric typewriters in our lives that we just need to set aside or sweep out or take to the dump. Those things were helpful. They were valuable. They were good. But if they pile up in our house or in our hearts, we don't have any room to, to let the expressions of God's kingdom sprouting up all around us to grow. So suffice to say, Faith Lutheran Church will once again, as we enter into 2023, listen to the voice and to the call and to the challenge of John the Baptist. And we are called and compelled to consider both how we will bear fruit and what needs to be cleared out, cut down, swept away, and disposed of. In order to do that, we'll have to have emotionally healthy conversations in our congregation. We'll come together and we'll celebrate what's gone on in our life and we'll challenge one another to say, what's our best offering to God? How can we best worship together, reach out and and announce the good news, help us grow closer to and more like Jesus? What are we going to do about staffing? How are we going to pay for the roof? You know, all that stuff that churches do. And I'd simply invite you to consider in your own life, in your own family, 
What are ways in the coming year that, that, uh, that you, your family, want to uh, bear fruit in keeping with repentance? How is it that you can more closely align your life and your actions and your behaviors and your attitudes to that of the kingdom of God? And then at the same time to consider the other side to say, and what's getting in the way? What are things that I need to set aside, um, leave behind, uh, to make room for what God wants to do next? Advent is, is, a, is a time of hope for the world. Wolves and lambs, peace on earth and goodwill to all. We are one in baptism. What you, the one who unites us is stronger than anything that might divide us. So clean house, throw out those electric typewriters, both literal and metaphorical, and then bear fruit of the Spirit, fruit in keeping with repentance, love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, and self-control. Thanks for listening, everybody. Again, if you want to learn more about faith, go to our website, www.faithshelton.org. Uh, while you're there, you can like us, subscribe, donate, or sign up for the newsletter. You can subscribe to this podcast on most podcast platforms, including Spotify and all those. Thank you, Chaz and Nadia, for your production tech support for this podcast. I leave you with the blessing. The Lord bless you and keep you. God's face shine on you and be gracious to you. God look upon you with favor and give you peace. In the name of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Spirit. Amen.